goodness gracious. Sometimes we forget to lean on God. Gosh, I want to say Merry Christmas, but I don't know about you, but Christmas has become so commercialized. Many people don't know the Christmas story unless they've watched Charlie Brown or they know the Grinch version. But it comes to this time in the year where I really just want to walk around and just say shalom, peace be with you. Because I think that is the greatest gift. I think it's the peace that is missing in many of our Christmas stories. So today's scripture, we're going to be in Revelations. You're probably thinking, oh, oh we're diving straight in. But I believe to fully understand why it is important to remember Christmas, we need to visit the beginning and the end. Amen. So Revelations, we're going to be in chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. And it says, His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore the child, he may devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with an, a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious God, it's in this season when we really need to see hope and love and joy and peace in everything we do, but God, our hearts are struggling. The burdens of life are heavy. And we find ourselves caught up in, in all this anxiety over so many things, but it's all done with great anticipation. Lord, I ask that it is your complete peace and joy that is present in our hearts. We're your people walking in darkness and seeking your light. Be with us. Help us to seek you in all that we do. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your son. Amen. So after hearing today's scripture, you're probably thinking, okay, she's leaning towards the rich side. This is not a Charlie Brown story. But we started Advent in the garden. We started Advent with the old serpent showing up. And he didn't make Adam and Eve do anything. He just planted the seed of doubt. So if we look at Gen uh, Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was delightful to the eye, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate it, and she gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then their eyes were open. You see, sin entered the world. The old serpent knocked on the door. Mankind opened the door. And sin entered the world. So now we're going to jump back into Revelation. We're going from the beginning to the end. We're just, we're just taking a straight shot through. We're going to look back at Revelation 12, but we're going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 6. Verse 1. And a great sign appeared in the heavens, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a red dragon, a great red dragon, with seven heads, ten horns, and on his head seven deities. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore the child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who will rule all nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be <clears throat> nourished for 1,260 days. Now, if we're going to step back into the book of Revelation, just for a moment and ponder this, then there's so much that it reveals to us. But there's one question that we might find. Why is this world the way it is? I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I, I disconnect you from cable. I don't watch news. I get notifications. I get rid of them because the enemy knocks on the door, but we open it. Yes. We allow things into our lives. And there's some things I've just said, it's not important. I'm not letting it come into my life. I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to say it. So if you, if you share news with me and I look shocked, that's why. I do not want to live by watching the news and fearing everything that it shows me. Because I believe God has a lot more things that I need to focus on. That's just me. So, in looking at this scripture, why are the two kingdoms of the world today, one belonging to God, where we worship Him and we serve Him as His people, still have to remain on earth, which is the domain of of the old serpent, the great red dragon. Why does so much hostility still remain between these two kingdoms? We have the church of God who is constantly under assault. And this assault comes against us left and right, no matter where we're at and what we're doing. But the church is divided because the old serpent knows where two or more gather, and when we stand together, he has no hold on us. 
the members of the church, I think we can all agree, go through our own temptations that many times we see are much harder than the temptations of those that maybe we will say don't do the right things and it seems like life is easy. But I think the greatest threat to the church is false teachings. Because the church in today's society, what I'm hearing is it's worse than ever the hypocritical church. Persecution threatens the church, but why is the world the way it is? Why is there conflict? Why is there suffering? Why is there persecution? Why the evil? This is the book of Revelations that answers the why, paints the picture for us. So we can see with our own eyes this world through God's word because nothing catches God off guard. This world is not right with God. His people do not walk, and I'm including myself, do not walk in full righteousness. It's hard to do. It is so hard to do. And many of us do not truly know him. And if we don't know him, we're not in his full protection. So when the enemy knocks, what do we do? Oh, somebody's here. We're just going to open the door. We don't look to see who's standing at the door. We don't look to see what wolf is waiting because the wolves are waiting. But we come to the heart of Revelation, and it's in chapter 12 that we see a major transition. This book up to this point has mainly been uh, of things of heaven and earth between Christ's time of his first coming and his second coming. But God and Christ are enthroned in heaven. And on earth, we are the ones standing in rebellion and tribulation is coming. God's not blind to it. He knows exactly who belongs where. No matter what we do, we do it for an audience of one. He knows there are a number of battles raging. And he knows that there are wicked doing their deeds, sadly, in the name of of God. Sometimes it's hard for us to see those because we really, I don't know about you, I feel like we really want to see the best in people. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I've given people too many times. Okay, I'll give you one more time. Okay, you kicked me when I was down. I'll give you one more time. Okay, just one more time. And then when I'm like, I'm not going to give you another chance, somebody goes, really? What would Jesus do? And I'm like, oh. I don't know about you, but sometimes my first thought is he flipped tables. But I'm thinking, okay, I'll give you one more time. And he says one more times that sadly we do see the enemy sneaks in. And next thing we know, our heart is filled with anger and hurt and wounds. But it's at this point in Revelations where we clearly see the opposing power to God and his people. If you notice in chapter 12, Satan himself is introduced. Chapter 3, I mean, chapter 12, verse 3, describes him as the great red dragon. And that 
If we go on to verse 9, it says, He is identified by the same name as the ancient serpent, one who is called the devil, Satan, and the deceiver of the world. And he was thrown down to earth with his angels. You see, God sent his son, born of the flesh, to walk with mankind, to guide mankind, to teach mankind the ways that are so much greater than ourselves because there's a war going. It's a war of the ages, and it still rages all around us. It's easy to be distracted, but it is still there. It has not stopped, and it will not stop until his second coming. And as we observed Advent, remember, we were preparing for his arrival because that battle is still raging. I used to avoid the book of Revelations. It was hard to read. It was hard to visualize. I'm a visual person. So all these visuals, I'll be honest, they flipped my stomach, just made me nauseous. How in the world could God let this happen? I think that's a question that plagues so many that don't attend church. How can I worship someone who lets something like that happen? But what we have to remember is that actually the heavens are fighting for us, not against us. They're fighting the old serpent. So if we back up a little bit into Revelations 3, there's specific words given to the churches. <clears throat> Chapter 3 starts, And the angel of the church of Sardis wrote, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. Remember then what you receive and heard. Keep it. Repent. If you will not wake up, I will be like a thief. And you will not know the hour that I come against you. Yet you have still... A few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed with thus white garments, and I will not blot their names from the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has ears... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God sees everything we do. Everything. And he sends warning after warning after warning. But yeah, I don't know about you, but it's so comforting to know that heaven's still fighting for me. Even in my brokenness. Even in my sin. Even in the times where I'm like, God, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to talk to this person right now. I'm not ready. It's not my time. It's his timing. But heaven's still fighting for me. Even in my rebellion. Heaven is still fighting for me. God is still seeking me. It's the same for you. Whatever it is in your life, he's still chasing after you. He's still seeking you. He's still wanting to heal your heart. 
He's still wanting to bring you into his fold and not blot our names out of the book of life. If we go on to verse 7, it says, And the angel of the church of Philadelphia wrote, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your work. Behold, I have set before you an open door, one which no one is about to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you keep my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and they are not, but they lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you for the hour of trial that is coming on the whole earth. To try those who dwell on the earth, I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, never shall he go out of it. I will write his name of my God. I will write on him his, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. There's so much in Revelations that I do believe God is revealing to us today. And I think we've heard so many people say, oh, we're living in the end of times. I've heard that my whole life. Literally, that's one of the first things I ever remember about hearing of, of church. We're in the end of times. But can we be honest? We've been in the end of times since the birth of Christ. Because we don't know the time or the hour he's coming back. But we need to live each day like he's returning that day. So my thought and my question is really easy. In Bethlehem, there was no room for a child to be received into this world. What area of your life you're in that you don't have room to receive your Savior? It's not like a house where you can go, I'm going to put my project, my hobby in the garage. And then that's my zone, and we tell God to stay out of it. We have to welcome God into every room of our house. Because Revelations 3 tells the church what is seen by our Lord and how our Lord will act. It says, He will knock. Are we going to open the door and receive our Savior? Are we preparing every single day to make sure our name is still written in the book of life and not blotted out? Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Will you let him in? Because 
Now is when the actual work of Christmas begins. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, on this day, I just pray for your perfect will and your perfect timing in all of our lives. God, there's so much that we don't understand, and the war is definitely raging all around us. But God, you've seen everything. God, all the wounds of our hearts are calling, crying out. God, I ask for your redemption. You are the God of hope. God, you wake us up every single day. You are the God of salvation. You deliver us, Lord. And as we go about our everyday lives, I'll be honest, I admit, I forget that there is a war raging that requires the second coming of your Christ, your Son, your Beloved, to find victory once and for all over the old serpent. God, I pray that you pierce my heart so I never forget the wars raging. I pray that you pierce my heart so that I know when you're knocking on the door of my heart and I know when to keep it shut when it's the enemy knocking. Lord, I ask for you to give us clarity, wisdom, and discernment for all things around us so that we speak nothing against the kingdom, but we walk in peace with our Savior. We ask all things in the